Welcome to the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, Every Black Film Ever Made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by... Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And this week, the second week of Mother May I, but the first week where we actually <laughs> talk about a film that may or may not qualify as a Mother May I film, we are going to spend some time with the Cedric the Entertainer vehicle, 2004's The Johnson Family Vacation. But before we spend a little time in the car with Seti and his family. <laughs> yes, before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, we like to go over all of the feedback that we've gotten from each and every one of you that hits us up on social media at Michelle Mission, joins the Facebook group at the Michelle Mission, where this show is streaming live. It is streaming live in our Michelle Mission Facebook group, as well as on YouTube. We're streaming live on youtube.com slash Michelle Mission. And after some, con- con- uh, what's the word, conjoling? Um, I think that's the word. After some conjoling, I have gotten Vince, my esteemed partner here on the mission, to agree that for the forthcoming COVID days, we will be presenting our show live for you to check out, streaming live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. So thanks, yes. Vince. Yes, indeed. You know, yes, yes. So so warts and all, you, you know, I like to... You know, we we like to fix some things in post, but <laughs> now is is just we ju- we just live. We're just live. we just live. We're which, just live. Which is cool though, Vince, because it means to make this extra special, the people that will be tuning in live will be able to see for the first time in full in full view exactly your rendition of the trailers, the original yeah. tra- trailer <laughs> tune that you sing for each and right. every one of these movies right. Right. will be it's coming to the them live. It's during the space between our talking and starting a movie. It kind of gets me into the spirit of the thing. Most definitely. Um, and shout out to, as, as again to everyone of you missionaries who's checking us out. Aaron Fry, what's up, Aaron? I see you. Kamisha Martin. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Kanisha Martin, a hey, new Kanisha. follower. Hey, Kanisha. Welcome. Welcome, each and every one of you. All right. Uh, let's start with the feedback that we've received via iTunes, Vince. All right. We got a new review on iTunes. This is from Shivas89. And it just came hey, in. Shivas89. Just came in yesterday, as a matter of fact. My new favorite podcast. Just dis- oh, nice. Uh, right? Just discovered this podcast <laughs> and have already binged the first three episodes. Len and Vincent have the best banter, and I love their passion for film. Can't wait to go through their whole catalog and learn about the hidden gems of black cinema. All right. Thank you so much, Shivas. That was very nice. Yes. We appreciate hidden that. Hidden gems. Makes us feel like archaeologists. <laughs> Well, you know what? Sometimes we do. You know what? When I think about that, that's when I recall recall films like um, like uh, Uptight, 
that's a film yeah. that people, a lot of people have slept on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and it's something that, you know, just from digging in the crates, we were actually able to find. And it is a fantastic film. So, um, so hey. You know, the the funny thing, one of my um one of my good friends is a huge fan of the Parker film, The Payback. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, you know, the remake of the Steve McQueen film, mm-hmm. but that stars um Mel Gibson. Yes. And so we got to talking about Parker and, and the Parker novels and the Parker movies. And I of course brought up the um the score. Oh, okay. Not the score. Um, what's the name? The Jim Brown Parker film. Oh, that we just talked about a few months ago. Oh wow, it's not the. It, I don't believe it's the score. Hold on, I'm. I'm because now yeah. I gotta look it up. I gotta find it. Now see if. Now see if we weren't live. <laughs> if we weren't live, we, we we could be. We could do this in post, but we're live, ladies and gentlemen. Right, exactly. So now we gotta look it up real quick on our own. <laughs> exactly. All right. The split. Uh, what you say? The split. It's called the split. That's it. The split. That's exactly it. Yeah. Nineteen sixty eight. The split. And and that's very much a film that if it were not for the Michaud mission, I would have known about. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I should note that the two films that we have just shouted out were films that I selected. I'm no, just... they're, they're, no, they're very much films. That you selected, and I, I, I never bite my tongue about that. Like those are my favorite films. Like whether it's something like that, a film like Brother John, mm-hmm. that was brought to our attention. Which it's so funny. Like I've been talking about all three of these films over the past couple of weeks. Right. You know, Brother John, which is easily in my top ten science fiction films now. Yeah. Because you know, yeah. in my mind, in my mind, it's a science fiction film. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, absolutely. You, you know that that very much speaks to what I love about what we do. Hey Vince, I just I just checked out another benefit of doing our show now live via, into Facebook and YouTube on Tuesdays. Okay, it, what is that? It means that longtime missionary George Carmona can join us not by way of SoundCloud. Hey. He's watching hey. us live. Hey, it's George. I feel like I want to stand up and hand him a drink. <laughs> Somebody get George a drink. And one of them party plates with um with like some wings, some celery, like that cauliflower from that vegetable plate. <laughs> And some grapes. <laughs> yes, and some grapes. Yes. So, so shout out, George. We see you. I so, also see you, longtime fan, Deborah Battle. How you doing? Hey, what's up, Deborah? Okay. Um this 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 week has been it's been a, a week of some highs and lows in the black community. Um Oh my God. And you know, there's been there's been some long overdue social justice that has been meted out over the uh, over this past week. Um, I mean, I guess George Zimmerman got arrested. <laughs> like okay. lots of people get arrested. It's a good first step. Right, right. Well, let the people know exactly what you're alluding to, Vince. Um, 
talking about, of course, Ahmad, and I always mispronounce that brother's name. Uh, I always I think it's like is it Aubrey or Audrey? Uh, yeah, Ahmad Aubrey. You, right. you know who was who who was lynched? Like, let's call it what it was. He was lynched by by at least two men in this small town in Georgia, if not three, because I think there were three involved. But what's even more egregious is that it was covered up. Yeah. For like, 74 days. It right. It was a cover up. And and as everyone has put quite succinctly, they weren't arrested because they saw the footage. They were arrested because we saw the footage. Mm-hmm. And these men have been arrested. But like I said, lots, you know, I, I think public pressure leads to a lot of people getting arrested until they're rotting in prison or I'm sure Georgia has the death penalty. Well, I hope so. It's Aubrey Ahmad. That's his that's his name. Yeah. A young man who was um, jogging, jogging uh, in a neighborhood in Georgia where when 74 days ago, ladies and gentlemen, 74 days ago, he was um, r- chased by two white men, a father and a father and a son, and, and it's not a younger son. This is a, uh, uh, an adult son chased down and gunned down uh, in this neighborhood with someone following filming it. Um, he says because he just th- thought there might be something worth documenting. Um, sure, why not? Exactly, uh, and there's only and, and only. Now, 74 days after this event took place, when the video hit the public that there was an arrest made of these two men uh, in Georgia. Um, We're waiting to see, of course, how things um, play out in this case, you know, um, in these COVID days, you know, who knows when the courts are really going to open up. But it is good to see that they're. Their freedom, they're walking around, their walking papers have been pulled, at least. Right. At least that. Um, right. And then in the in the world of, you know, entertainment, where we like to uh, lay our lay our heads, uh, we suffered three great losses in the world of black music all in one week. Yeah. All yeah, in one week. It's been a tough week. Uh, the first the first loss that we suffered. Well, not necessarily the first one, but the first one we're going to speak of is um, is Andre Harrell, who yeah, was the, uh, yeah Andre Harrell yeah Harrell excuse me yeah Andre Harrell yeah. longtime music producer and executive most famously known for um, building the venerable Uptown Record dynasty of the late 80s to mid 90s a record label that gave us among other uh great acts mary j blige the jodeci uh the notorious big and the record label which launched the career of equally influential and maybe some would say even more influential music uh mogul uh sean combs um yeah yeah i mean he really was the architect of the sounds of an entire decade yeah right you know yeah very much so um the funny thing is we know him from our angle because he was part of the early hip-hop group jekyll and hyde that's right 
and he was in Crush Groove. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. I, I, I mean, you think about two of the three that you're going to talk about have been in films that we that we've reviewed. How about that? How about that? Yeah. And the third one is 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 only is bound to make his debut on the on the mission any day now. Yeah, exactly. You know what exactly. I mean? So Andre Harrell, we lost him way too young. I mean, that's the that's the crazy thing. <sighs> Look, man. I, I I know we we started with an execution of a young black man. I don't want to make it too morbid, but but I have always said that once a black man is over the age of forty, mm. nobody is that surprised when they die, like of natural causes. Right. Like if you're a thirty five year old black man and you have a stroke, people go, "Oh my God, really?" If you're forty two. And you have a stroke, people are sad. But look, man, you, we got <laughs> got to take care of ourselves. Not to say that Andre Harrell wasn't right, but but yeah, it's it's he he was way too young. But unfortunately, bl- black men die way too young. How about that? He died at the age of fifty nine years old. A mere yeah, fifty nine years old. Uh, Andre Harrell. Um, passed away due suffering from heart problems uh, at in the time leading up to his death um and right. and you're right it's it unfortunately it's not out of the ordinary for um black men in their 30s 40s 50s even into their early 60s who have had to undergo a a, a huge level of you know stress and and oh yeah hypertension hypertension all of you know what i mean yeah and unfortunately you know we it's it's historic you know the story of of how the black the black population of the united states has inadequate access to proper health care um that combined with unfortunately let's call it what it is the mythological you know um the mythological uh, view that even black men have of themselves of of like yeah you know ain't nothing can can hurt me you know right i'm I'm, right. T- I'm too tough to show any pain or anything like that right um sometimes just leads to these things just sneaking these silent killers sneaking up on people you know hey man i got uh, in my wedding party one of my groomsmen had a stroke and died and another one of my groomsmen has had two strokes. Wow. Both in their early 40s. Wow. So, so you know, everybody take care of yourself. Drink your water. Do your cardio. That's right. Please, please. Get your sleep. And then another another passing that uh, rocked the world of music at the tender age of 66, Bessie Regina Norris, better known as Betty Wright, Passed right. away. Passed away. She was famous, world famous in the seventies for "Tonight Is the Night" and more popularly for "The Cleanup Woman." That's right. Which was, you know, let's face it, that was her theme song. Yes, uh, it was. She passed away at the age of sixty-six. Um, a- another one that just came right out of the blue. Yeah, yeah, and and another one who is is sort of a musician's musician, right? Right. You, you know, like your favorite musician loves Betty Wright. Mm-hmm. 
You know, Questlove actually had a really beautiful, heartfelt post where he talked about how much Betty Wright had achieved in the industry and, you know, how she mentored young musicians mm-hmm. and, and you know, everything. So, so that's, that's, and it's really sad because I have to say, I wasn't a huge Betty Wright fan, mm-hmm. but she, there was an episode of, of Unsung, like this season. Yeah. Where, where, where I actually said, wow, Betty Wright was doing it. Like, I need to explore some Betty Wright. And, and then, you know, unfortunately now she's passed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure so that, that's, I, yeah. I'm sure that 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 episode of Unsung is getting a, a lot of replay right now. Um, yeah, it's a good episode too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is a name that is is certainly heralded in the music profession, like you said, a musician's musician, um, but one that probably does not ring as loudly as Andre Harrell or or sure. some other names, um, including the one that the last and the one that we're get to, but should be no less remembered and honored for her amazing contribution to the genre. Yeah. And then last but never the least, otherwise yeah. he will come back and tell us himself. <laughs> yeah. None other than some would say the uh, arguably the grandfather of rock and roll itself, Richard Wayne Pennyman, better known yes, sir. as Little Richard. Yeah, passed and, and away. Unsung. unsung. Oh no! I said you said some would call him the grandfather or the architect or the creator, and I, I said I am some. You would you like, would I am one of those people. You would call uh, Little Richard, who passed away at the age on May 9th at the age of 87. Little Richard, who had fantastic hits, including Tutti Fruity, Long Time, Long Time Sally, um, was nicknamed the innovator, the originator, and the architect of rock and roll. A man who yeah. ha- had a amazing um, second act to his career in the 80s all the way into the 90s um you would say that he is indeed the grandfather of rock and roll look not even grandfather i i mean you know i'm I'm gonna try not to go too far down this rabbit hole but you talk about louis jordan in jump blues Mm -hmm. you you talk about ike turner yeah you talk about big mama thorpe Okay. Okay. And then it's Little Richard. Like, like these, like this, like he created rock and roll. Like, go ahead, throw Chuck Berry in there. I'm about to say, you got to get throw some love to Chuck. But, but there is, there is no, like, and you say rock and roll. I don't know if pop music looks like it does if Little Richard doesn't exist. That's a good point. Like it just like 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 we we call him you, you know we use these these words architect of rock and roll but like he's architect of popular music. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Like you know the chord structures and the melodies and like like Lil Richard created a, this stuff. You know what I like about Lil Richard too? I th- I think because of how old we are, how relatively young we are, like we didn't really know Lil Richard like we kind of knew the spectacle. Yeah, yeah. Little Richard, right. you, you know, he's doing this thing. That's an early Little Richard is so raw. 
Yeah. And so sexual. Yes. And yes. so like you understand how this reached out mm-hmm. and grabbed young people. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 like the it's and it still holds up. Like it's so primal. Yeah. Like this kind of early little Richard. And you talk about, you, you know, I don't know, like the invention of the teenager. Right. And, and, and this whole, just, you know, socially speaking, young people having their own culture mm-hmm. and you completely get how little Richard pulls you in. I've, I've read a couple of things this week. I don't know as much like, like, you know, how little Richard kind of, um, queered popular culture. Like, like, you know, he kind of, you know, played with gender and all of did. this stuff, but it was all very intentional. Yes. Like, like this wasn't somebody just playing around and he never got his due. He never, ever got his due. Well, some would say maybe he did. I'm looking here that he was honored by many institutions. He was inducted, of course, into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as part of the first group of inductees back in 1986. He was also inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He was recipient of a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Recording Academy and a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Rhythm and Blues Foundation. In 2015, he received a Rhapsody and Rhythm Award from the National Museum of African American Music for his key role in the formation of popular music genres. And, uh... Tutti Frutti was included in the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress in 2010, which stated that his unique vocalizing over the irresistible beat announced a new era in music. I don't think they ever paid him right. (laughs) I'm about that money. (laughs) Okay. And I don't think they ever paid him right. Okay, well, so fair enough, fair enough. And like I said, unlike a lot of his contemporaries, he is a person who definitely enjoyed a second act to his career um, starting in the in the 80s all the way into the 90s and at that time he certainly was someone who was not shy of you know uh, <laughs> demanding his due and not right. doing until he received it so that's right that's so, right so he certainly did played his part in trying to make up for any lost uh income that the the system was keeping from him back at that time and from the Michelle Mission angle, he was one of the highlights of uh, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? <laughs> that is very true. Yes. That is very, basically very stopped true. the movie. He, he basically stopped the movie. <laughs> yes. For Lil Richard Tom. And I yes. was there for it. <laughs> yes. Yes. He does. He does indeed. All right. So, um, so farewell to Andre Harrell, Betty Wright. And yeah. Richard, um, this this is the worst game of Jumanji ever. <laughs> Do you hear what Charlie Booker said, the creator of of um, Black Mirror? Did you hear what he said? No. What did he say? Somebody asked him about a new season of Black Mirror, and he said he can't make Black Mirror right now. Like it's actually too bleak. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean. 
This is terrible. It is terrible right now. Exactly. <laughs> it is terrible. What are you going to do? There is nothing right. on television that can compare to what is right. happening like, in these streets. It's murder hornets? Like, how is it murder hornets in America? I know. When I first heard about that I'm scared that to look at ho- stuff on YouTube. I know. When I heard murder hornets, I was like, this is serious. I'm looking around like, am I being punked? Right. There are not murder. I thought, honestly, being a, a, a basketball head, I was like, uh-oh, right. somebody arrested the Charlotte Hornets. Huh? <laughs> The whole team. The whole team. The whole team is murdering people. The whole team got warrants. Like, I didn't know, you what, know what. You know what? It's only May. <laughs> it's, it's, it's still early. It's only. So here's the funny thing. And then we can, you can get moving. I've said for years that I am waiting for, um, for, for what I call the Godzilla incident. Oh. Ooh. Like, like for years, I've waited for the moment where something, you, you know, like something actually comes up out the water. Okay, okay. And it's like the Godzilla moment. And I don't know what we were watching the other day. And I said, yeah, this is the year for it. This is. Like, this is the year for it. Like, like if it happens, this is the year for it. So. If, if, exactly, exactly. Now, here's, here's the question, though. When the Godzilla... When the Godzilla moment happens, what will it be? Because to me, the second you say the Godzilla moment, that's the time when something comes out from under the sea. Yeah. And you see it making its way to the Golden Gate Bridge. It's got to be heading towards a bridge. There's got to be people like driving on the bridge and, and like some little girl just looking over the side and just saying like, look, mom, Gajira. She's like, what are you talking about, Gajira? And then you just see this big monster <laughs> hulking towards, towards the bridge. That's the Godzilla moment. That's the yeah. moment when you know, oh, shit. <laughs> it's going well, I'm, I don't really need it in 2020. Like, like, and, and I saw something else. I've been joking. Uh, like, I'm, I'm now finished living through historical moments. Like, I don't need any more historical moments in my life. <laughs> right. I need the next 40 some years to just be quiet. Right. It's like we, we did Challenger, 9-11, Katrina. Like, I, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need anything else to tell my grandchildren about. I know. I know. I know. We got COVID-19. We got 45. We got Prince. Right. I mean, We're going to have to explain Donald Trump to our grandchildren. <laughs> Ooh. And on that sobering note, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't as madcap as, as, as it usually is during the letters. I know. <laughs> I know. It's usually more madcap. It's a little bit more jolly, usually. <laughs> a little bit more jolly. And now for our film, Amistad. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin went and saw 12 Years a Slave. And I was just thinking about 12 Years a Slave. She said, she said, hour in, still a slave. <laughs>
I, you know, to this day, I've never seen Pursuit of Happiness. Like I saw in the commercial, he was holding the, the bathroom door closed with his son. I said, nope. <laughs> That's a nope for me. You know what? I've never seen that movie either. Yeah, I ain't watching that. It's just it's like, I don't need to see this. I don't need to see this dude running through the right. streets, like trying to pull up his pants to make it to a job interview. I'm sorry. Right, right. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. It's, so it's Will Smith, but he's homeless. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? And he don't have a pick. <laughs> and he got his son with him, too. So his son is also homeless. Everybody and homeless. Peasy. Everybody right. knows. Oh, Lord. It's funny you brought up 12 Years a Slave. I was speaking to someone this, <laughs> I was speaking to someone the, this weekend, and they were going on about how they hate 12 Years a Slave, right? They don't think it's, right. they don't think it's a good movie. And I said, okay, so why don't you think it's a good movie? And one of the first reasons they said, it was like, because it seemed like he wasn't a slave long enough in the movie. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> My goodness! It said it seemed to just pass by real quick. I was like, "Really?" He, <laughs> I just listened to this. they needed they needed more slavery. <laughs> exactly. You might have a terrible friend. <laughs> they needed twelve days of twelve years of slave. <laughs> right. It's like a six night miniseries. I think they're looking for roots. And yet they can't watch when they see us. It's too hard for them. I don't understand. Anyway, look, man, look. Anyway, mental health. I'm all about mental health. <laughs> I get it. Most definitely. We invite Protect you. your well-being, folks. We invite you, ladies and gentlemen, to hit us up. Send all of your feedback. Email us at mission at gmail.com. Or you can hit us, find us on all the social medias at mission And join our Facebook group, Mission, where we have a lot of fun talking back and forth with with our fans. We'll get into a lot of the things that they uh, have been sharing with us next week as we stream live on youtube.com slash be show mission. Go there, become a member. We're going to be doing this every week. So we'd love to see those numbers. Um, uh, click up real quick. Vince, I noticed looking at on Apple podcasts, we are inching very close to 100 reviews. We have 96 as of today. That is crazy. I know. I know. We're inching very close to 100 reviews on iTunes. So um, that would be a, a... You think... What? What? You think iTunes will send us like a cake? A cake? Maybe like a some like some bear claws? Maybe some bear claws. Maybe, it, Maybe some bear claws? Possibly Twinkies. Twinkies? Okay. Will you, right. will you be satisfied with a Twinkie? I mean, sure, why not? <laughs> does anyone choose a Twinkie? Like, does anyone have, like, like you can have any vast array of store-bought pastries and someone says, I'll take a Twinkie? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. I don't, I'm not a Twinkie man myself. I'm a tasty yeah. cake man. I like butterscotch crimpets. So. I was about to say butterscotch crimpets. That's the store-bought pastry of kings. Pretty sure that's what Jesus ate. <laughs> look it up look it up right before he walked into the last supper because he wasn't sharing his crimpets he was that's just, right that's, 
It's only two of them coming at Lil Pat. Exactly. And Paul was like, hey, yo, hey, yo, Jay. Like, mm mm, sorry. <laughs> right. Right. Go break bread. I'll be right there. All right, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ooh, it got dark. Let's go into our review. Oh, oh, it, oh, it got dark. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get you to our three dead icons, <laughs> social injustice. I got a dead groomsman, but it got dark. And then we ended with slavery jokes. Somebody slavery said, movie jokes. Slavery Not movie. Slavery. Jokes. Somebody slavery said we need to try. Jokes. Somebody says we need to try Little Debbie's. Not a fan of Little Debbie's. <laughs> I was about to say, sounds like a serial killer. Here you go with the serial killer stuff. I'm just saying. Let's real quick, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into our review of 2004's Johnson Family Vacation. Hit it, Vince. Johnson Family Vacation. Johnson Family Vacation. Johnson Family Vacation is surprisingly boring. <laughs> we'll be back with the film review soon as we do something funky and have steps in it. Nate Johnson has a new set of wheels. Dang that. Three-wheel motion, hydraulic switches. For an old-fashioned family vacation. I can already smell my mama's cooking. Let's go! Son, you want to learn how to drive? Here's your first lesson. You see what she's wearing? I made this outfit myself. Get upstairs and finish making the rest of it. A family of five. I thought I told you to leave that rap stuff alone. Nobody who's been shot. Tupac Secure. Shot. Notorious B.I.G. Shot. Marvin Gaye. Shot. Hey, hey. Fifteen hundred miles. I didn't sign up for some Indian village. I'm one ace Cherokee. Ow. <laughs> Back off, my daughter. I dance with wolves. Three long days. I wouldn't have done that if I were you. Chips, one of my favorite shows. You kind of like a chocolate chip. This spring. Look, Daddy, that lady needs a ride. Never pick up strangers. What the? Hold on. What are you doing? Baby, what would Jesus do? The Johnsons are getting a crash course. Oh, my God, no! In the true meaning of family. I'm gonna take care of you. Hello, Uncle Earl. Ooh, give me a hug. Looking good. In here looking hot for the yellow. Join Cedric the Entertainer, Bow Wow, Vanessa L. Williams, Solange Knowles, and Steve Harvey. My baby brother Nate. Mama's new mistake down at the lake. Their vacation will be one part brawling. We should get a trophy for being married to these men. And one part bonding. Oh, <laughs> wow. Good night, Nate. No, no, come on. I'm gonna need those. Johnson Family Vacation. What the hell? Spend some quality time with the Johnson. Johnson Family Vacation, a 2004 American comedy film directed by Christopher Erskine from a script written by Earl Richie Jones and Todd Jones, stars Cedric the Entertainer as Nate Johnson, a family man estranged from his wife, played by Vanessa Williams, who takes his family, his children, played by Bow Wow, Gabby Soleil, 
and Solange Knowles to the yearly family reunion, which he has not been to in four years. While trying to mend his marriage, he is also trying to win the family trophy from the family contest at the Johnson family vacation from his arch rival, his older brother, played by Steve Harvey. Johnson Family Vacation, starring Cedric the Entertainer, Vanessa Williams, Bow Wow, Solange Knowles, special appearances by Sherry Headley, Steve Harvey, and did you see Jason Momoa? I did. Was the choice of Lynn Webb. This second week, but this official beginning of Mother May I. (laughs) Lynn Webb. What do you have to say about the Johnson family vacation? Um, surprisingly a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Johnson family vacation is, first of all, let me start right, start right here. Uh, Cedric Inter- Entertainer is not a name that we should just gloss over. Um, he in the I guess the what the late nineties he was one of the in, into the early two thousands he was one of the more prominent comedians to hit the black entertainment uh, stage along with definitely a contemporary of his his um, co star and longtime friend Steve Harvey in in this field uh, he actually was a star of the Kings of Comedy tour of Steve Harvey, Cedric Entertainer, D.L. Hughley, and the late, great Bernie Mac that um, stormed across the country um, several years ago and actually was chronicled in a equally successful film. Cedric Entertainer is a a gregarious guy. He is um, a... Uh, funny individual. He is a. Um, I've I've never been a, a big fan of his comedy so much, but I've always enjoyed the personality that is Cedric the Entertainer. And what I've always enjoyed about Cedric, whether or not he's doing his comedy or whether or not he is acting, because he's been afforded more than a few acting opportunities, is that he's always been just true to himself you know he's always seemed like a brother who's got a a a very you know um good idea of who he is what he brings to the what he brings to a to the table and is not afraid to just to just go for it um and that is always always what i found endearing about him so seeing the johnson family vacation I was very intrigued by this film because it was a film that did not get a good review. Many of the reviews of this film were very, very poor, to be in fact. So I was like, well, I like Cedric. There's got to be some kind of redeeming quality to this. Then looking down in the cast, I see that Vanessa Williams is playing his wife. Vanessa Williams, who is an accomplished singer, as well as an actress, you, um, how bad can the two of them be? 
They, they already <laughs> heading. What you say? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like famous last words. <laughs> I'm like the film can't be, but so bad if if those two have any you know type of chemistry with one another, it's got to have some some type of redeeming quality. It's 2004. This is the age of little bow wow, and this is the little bow wow is in all his little bow wow ness in the, in this film. And he is a a a, a, a character, a an, an actor, an individual who does have a certain level of charisma. Okay, Solange Knowles, the the uh, younger sister of Beyonce. Okay, she's got to have a little bit of that pixie dust that r- rubs off on her as well, right? That combination. Um, together in this family film has to present something that has some redeeming quality at the end of the day. And it all piles up into a big nothing. It is Mm. a movie that does not know where it wants to go when it begins. It reads as a film that is almost you're making the script up as it goes along. Um, It starts with this Cedric the Entertainer and his son, little Bow Wow. They're they're going to pick up his car. And it, it, it is a totally unfunny scene it is just just boring scene of them picking up the car and it being totally like pimped out because he even though all he wanted was an eight track player and all of a sudden his car is coming out is uh, coming by way of pimp my ride which makes absolutely no sense and it's absolutely boring and not funny at all then you are clumsily introduced to the premise that he and Vanessa Williams are estranged from one another and living in two separate houses that are around the corner from one another <sighs> yeah uh and that there is some friction that happened between the two that led to them you know breaking up Three months ago, it was three months ago that they broke up. And yet in those three months, she has a whole new house around the corner from them. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know about how real estate works where you live, Vince, but (laughs) (laughs) that you cannot buy a house it, well, maybe the house, maybe the house is rented. I don't know. Okay, maybe the house is rented. You're right, but just three three months ago, and you're already in a new house. The kids are split gender wise between the two of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. whatever friction is between them. We don't know because there's not any chemistry even in being mad at one another. They can't yeah, can't even pull yeah, off yeah. being mad at each other yeah. convincingly in this film, yeah, yeah. let alone any type of romantic, you know, 
uh, feelings that they may have had or may have rekindled along the way on this long road trip. This road trip that we are led to believe takes over two to three days of them driving from their home to their family, their annual family reunion. This road trip that includes not one, but two stops, stopovers, and yet no change of clothes over the entire trek of this trip. So much so that at the end of the trip, they change back into those clothes yeah, to drive yeah. back home. Yeah, they change. Well, 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 I can't believe you're making me defend this film. They lost their luggage. Did they really lose their luggage? Remember the truck hit them yes. and the luggage fell out. It fell out in the street. It didn't fall over a cliff. Look, that look, man, it's in the movie. They lost their luggage. I, I move on well, to the next thing because you're not gonna make me defend this movie. Because, yeah, because they couldn't have lost their luggage because they still had clothes to change into at the end when they had to do this big, stupid. Uh... God damn it, Lynn. No, they didn't. They showed Solange going around stealing material. I missed it. They that. actually showed her doing it because she stole the old lady's Afro wig. That's what they showed her steal. Somebody's Afro no, wig. They, no, they showed her st- stealing like, mati- like scarves and stuff. I must have fallen asleep by that point. Yes. <laughs> Okay, stop with the continuity stuff because you're going to make me defend it. I don't have to go to the continuity because this, right, this no, movie... No, you don't. Th- this movie, script-wise, is is, yes. is totally not funny at all. It, 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 it has totally... It, it steps on its own jokes. It has premises that come out of nowhere, that go nowhere. We introduce to the youngest daughter who has an imaginary um, pet, pet uh, uh, yes, an imaginary uh, pet dog. Yes. Who's introduced at the at the beginning of the film and then she no longer needs the imaginary dog at the end of the film. Why? We don't know because the imaginary dog is never mentioned again throughout the throughout the film we have right 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 we have um their daughter played by so wait a minute before i get to the daughter we have bow wow their son who wants to be a rapper who f- feels like yes. he's, he's going he's going to be this this big time rapper um who that absolutely goes nowhere until the end he gets on stage and of course it's bow wow and he has to have a scene where he does his rapping. Okay, that makes sense. But therefore, but what doesn't make sense is that you cast Vanessa Williams, a quite an accomplished actor, but also an award-winning singer. Yeah, yeah. And you get to the end of this of this film, which takes place at virtually a singing contest, and yeah, she doesn't yeah. sing. Nor yeah, does Beyonce's sister sing. Yeah, yeah. All yeah, they, they do are, are asked to do the chorus behind Cedric the Entertainer, who Who's cannot singing? sing. But is singing. He is singing, <laughs> but he yes. cannot sing. <laughs> right, right. So 
that makes absolutely absolutely no sense. This, the story makes no sense. There's there's never mind the continuity errors. There are, there's acting that is just absolutely painful to watch in this in this yeah. movie from everyone. As much as I like Vanessa Williams, she is not having fun in this movie. Cedric the Entertainer is. N- I will say here in 2020, I have seen Cedric the Entertainer in more than a few things in the last few years where he's grown to be a lot more comfortable as an actor. In this film, he's not good at all. And he's yeah, it, and he's yeah. so painful that the jokes, while badly written, he can't even get them over. He, it, so yeah. it's almost yeah. like he doesn't even know how to be a comedian. I've um, Solange Knoll She's Beyonce's younger sister. And at this point in her career, that is absolutely the only thing that she has going for her because she is not a good actress in this film. I've not seen her do other work. Maybe she's grown as an actor in this film. She's not good. Bow Wow, a lot of charisma on the brother asked to do a lot in this film and doesn't carry it, doesn't carry it over the finish line. He's not good in this film. The young, the young lady who plays their daughter, uh, their youngest daughter, who is played by, and I, I don't want to miss, Gabby uh, Soleil, plays their mm-hmm. daughter Destiny. She's good for what she's asked to do. <laughs> right, she's right, good. Right, she's not, not a, asked to not do much. To do. Yeah, but she's sure. good in this film. You know, uh, Steve Harvey. I'm not a fan of Steve Harvey. I'm not a fan of Steve Harvey as an actor. I'm not a fan of him as a comedian. And in this film, I'm not a fan of him at all here yeah. either. Because yeah. he just yeah. he's just hamming it up and it comes off as forced and unfunny. In his in his defense, he's brought in on the last third of the film. And I think at at that moment, the directors are pretty sure. much trying to hand over everything to what they believe will be the chemistry of Cedric and Steve as friends that will get this over the finish line. But the script doesn't give any, give them anything to work with. And thus that's a failure as well. And it all comes together in a very sloppily directed film that just like you just said, is very boring. It is amazing how Boring and unfunny this film is for the hour and 36 minutes of its running time. It is just a real waste of time watching this movie. You know, I actually like when we have movies like this because it's kind of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is a movie that I think you you actually can perform an anatomy lesson on because you you know just to parrot some of the things that you said there are some really good pieces in play in this film uh like you i am surprisingly a not surprised you know surprisingly because it seems like he wouldn't be somebody who is good at this stuff i've seen bow wow in at least three films right that i like bow i like like that that kind of throwaway uh, like Mike, where he's a little boy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he's not bad. There's a kind of post barbershop, very lightweight film called Lottery Ticket. Yes, 
he's not and he's the lead in lottery ticket yes and he's not like he he's charismatic mm-hmm. he you, you know the camera loves him like he carries lottery ticket you know kind of a disposable film but a film where he works really well and i think he is legitimately good in roll bounce he is he is like i think roll bounce is a good movie and a lot of the reason that it's good is because of bow wow mm-hmm. so bow wow is a good actor who can deliver as you said, Vanessa Williams, Vanessa Williams, we've talked about her previously. One of my favorite roles from the 90s when she played Terry in Soul Food. Yes. Yes. I think Vanessa Williams is a good actress. And quietly, I think Vanessa Williams is funny. Yes. She was in Ugly Betty for a few years. Mm-hmm. You see her pop up. Like, she's actually funny. So this is someone else who does good work. Cedric the Entertainer. Cedric the Entertainer is somebody who I have in my category of black performers that I'm very frustrated with their careers. You know, it's like him. You know, we talk about Maya Rudolph. We talk about like Regina Hall, where no one quite knows what to do with him. Right, right, right. Like, I think he is amazingly charismatic. Mm -hmm. I think he is super likable, which for a comedian... I think is is fascinating because I think most comedians have that kind of darkness right. to them. Right. Like you talked about him in um The Kings of Comedy. And all three of them, there are moments in the act and moments where you see them b- behind stage mm-hmm. where they were dickheads. Yes. Like you could tell, yeah, these dudes, like these dudes have an edge to them. Except for Cedric the Entertainer. Exactly. Exactly. You know, he's super charismatic. Um, I think he does great physical comedy. Uh, he had a show for one season that Cedric the Entertainer show, that variety show. Yes. I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. So Cedric the Entertainer, Bow, like you said, uh, Solange, I don't think is really has done a lot of acting. But between Cedric, between um, Vanessa Williams, between Bow Wow, I think you have a good formula. And, and you... you you know, I was trying to figure out what was it about this film. And you know what I realized? It's a CBS sitcom. It's the pilot. Like was, it's the pilot for a CBS it's, it's, sitcom. It's a pilot. Like, like, you know, the direction, you know, the direction didn't really do anything for me either way, frankly. Like, I thought it was just like, like it was nothing that was so egregious that it distracted me. And obviously the direction isn't good, but the script really kind of jumped out at me. And the script writer, Earl Jones, when you look at his career, most of his work is on television. Mm -hmm. Most of his work is this sort of middle brow. Like he wrote for the Hughleys. He wrote for, um, you know, Dave Chappelle had this sort of middle brow comedy series back in the nineties called buddies. Mm -hmm. He wrote for that. He wrote for like, um, you know, the the famous Jet Jackson and Cousin Skeeter. So this is a film that frankly reflects a type of comedy that someone like Kevin James has made a fortune off of. Yeah, yeah. Like this should have been a CBS kind of show. And because it's so bland, 
it is just completely forgettable. Yeah. Like it's just completely sort of there. You've got these hackneyed jokes. You know, you've got the hot daughter that people are trying to get with. You've got the annoying son. Like there are, there's a cop who actually eats donuts. Like it's just all this sort of, and, and there, there are two things in this film that I did kind of, kind of chuckle. Like, like if this is sort of a, a bologna and cheese sandwich on white bread, mm-hmm. There were two moments that were like really good potato chips. Okay. Okay. I had a couple of, I had a couple of chips chips in this too. First first the cousin at the family reunion begging for money. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That made me laugh. Like that actually was true. Like anyone who's been to a family reunion, it's that cousin. Mhm. And Len, you know, I don't like it's probably completely inappropriate. But when Cedric the Entertainer played his uncle, oh yes, who was who was talking crazy to Vanessa Williams, yes, Lynn, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> Him talking crazy to Vanessa Williams, Uncle Earl. He was Uncle Earl. Uncle Uncle Earl talking crazy to Vanessa Williams after an hour of almost falling asleep made me crack up he told her girl you look like hot soup and i got the flu oh my oh but those are very specific moments yes these are are very specific characters that it's not run-of-the-mill it's not hackneyed and and you know frankly it's not enough to justify this film it's not and and you know and as good as cedric the entertainer is in that role of of Uncle Earl, and you could tell that he's having having fun with it because he returns. It's a running joke throughout the entire entire film, and not for nothing, not to cut you off. I suspect it's not scripted. A lot of it, I would suspect, is not. It, or if it is scripted, it's Cedric writing it, having having some fun. Right, it's fun right. with it. Or they do what they did, where there was like five or six takes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where he kind of did things. Right. And then they kept the one that was yeah, because but go ahead. The it's funny you um compare this to a CBS uh sitcom or just a, a just a sitcom. Just the fact that Cedric, you know, has to do another role in the film. That is in two in early two thousand and nineties and early two thousands is black black comedian comedy one-on-one you know you get the film role you know and now in your in your film whether or not it's going to be a film a family film that you're doing or the family tv show that you're doing you got the role now you've got to get the hot wife and nine times out of ten you're going to get um it it's the hot the hot wife that you've always wanted like if you're a comedian you know yo i've always wanted to meet vanessa williams and now vanessa williams playing my wife in in this right in this movie right you know what i mean and And steve harvey said well i'm gonna get sherry headley from uh coming to america right but 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 we don't need to give her any lines she don't need to say (laughs) nothing that that was terrible she could just she could just be she like there was actually there were actually about two moments in this movie where where somebody actually addresses Sherry Headley and 
she doesn't say anything. She just kind of like just shakes her head or Steve Martin, Steve Harvey says something in her in her place. She does not say anything at all in this entire movie. That's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's, it's almost like she said, you know, she got the contract. She read the script. She said, okay, I'll do it. But do I really have to say anything? Because I'll be here. But I, right, I ain't got to say right. Nothing. I'll be where I'm supposed to be. That's right. I'll be where. Is this my mark? Thank you. All right, I'm good. And just let that check clear. But it's almost like this is like a black comedian sitcom 101. All of these bits because then he has to do the bit where he dresses up as a character. Then he has to of course show that he can do another voice and that he can riff a little bit. And like. Unlike the Uncle Earl bit, which does have pays some dividends and does come back to kind of like uh, round out the movie at the end. There are other tropes that are introduced and nothing happens with it. You talked about Solange, Solange role. She is the hot girl that everyone wants to hit on. Well, not everybody wants to hit on her. It's just this one specific time when all of a sudden, uh, this faux Indian played by Jason Momoa, you know, is a, a, a very young Jason Momoa. Uh, I, I, I know. Yeah, almost, you know, almost unrecognizable. Um, I think he wanders into the gamma radiation booth after this film. Gamma radiation? Right, because he actually looks like a guy Jason Momoa ate. He's, st- he's still got a little Jason Momoa. I mean, he looks like young right. Jason Momoa. Right, he's just young. He's yeah. just young, you know what I mean? But he, he, I mean, they cast him for what they cast him for, to be a guy yeah. walking around in a leather vest, and that's what he yes. does, you know, and, and hit on Solange Knowles. But that happens for all of two minutes, and then it's introduced. I swear the rest of the film, until they get to the family reunion, when you look at Solange Knowles, she's asleep in the back of the car. She do- yeah. doesn't do anything else for the rest of the film. They introduce Shannon Elizabeth as this um, chick in the middle of the road that they pick up. Who? What was that? Exactly. Who it looks like is maybe stealing from them, stealing like food and stuff. But that never no, plays any just, dividends. She stole some Fruit Loops. Right. And it looks like she may be a bit of a devil worshiper. That doesn't pay any dividends. <laughs> And also, she worships the devil. But it goes absolutely, it goes absolutely nowhere. All of a sudden, they sneak, they sneak away from her, and you don't hear from her again. And also, she has a little alligator, and she has an alligator. Why? With with a diamond necklace. A, Did you notice the diamond? A bedazzled alligator. That's what? What? <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> I was like, is this part of this movie? Apparently. Apparently. Yet, while that doesn't return, even though we spend a good 10 minutes with this, (laughs) is this no small thing? There's a good 10 minutes. It is a chunk of time with Shannon Elizabeth. (laughs) It's a good 10 minutes with this woman. That doesn't. Stealing Fruit Loops and worshiping the devil. Right. Yet. They feel that the film cannot end until we wrap up the storyline of Stan, the study partner. Yeah. Introduced in the beginning of the film, 
who yeah. for no reason whatsoever now it becomes the big bad of the film. Yeah, as it were. Yeah, as, as it, it were. were, because out of the blue, he is he all of a sudden knows how to drive a 14 wheel truck cross country, terrorizing people a la Steven Spielberg movie. Um, hey, hey, Lynn, where did he get the truck from? I thought he was studying to be an accountant. Where, where did where did he learn how to drive trucks and and get the truck and and, and drive the truck and and f- where, what and follow them? Where did that come from? It, <laughs> It came from page ten on the script when it was written in. Actually, I, you know, I think it happened on page eighty nine, the next to the last page of the script when they realized uh, we don't know how to end this movie. You know what though, Cedric should have beat his ass. <laughs> well, like he got out that truck talking crazy to his wife. I was like, oh, well, this is the part where he beats his ass. Well, no, because because his mother beats his butt, <laughs> and then Steve Harvey right. beats his butt. Right. I would, but the movie was kicking my ass, so I was just looking for somebody <laughs> to knock me the hell out. And what kind of 1982 sitcom complication and conflict is it that he doesn't want her to take her CPA test? <laughs> like, I kept waiting... For what was the, you you know, what was the inciting and, moment that got right, them to like, get what is separate it? houses? Right, right. Like you know, couples go through challenges. All right, well, well, what is it? What what happened? What what is it? Like what what is it? And then she said that she wanted to be a CPA, and then I kept waiting for the rest of it. And and and, and then that and was that it. was it. That was I a was bridge like, too far. It's like, I feel like I'm watching something that came on after Perfect Strangers for two seasons on TGIF in 1985. Like a dude came home and said, where's my dinner? And she like brought out a TV dinner and threw it on a table. And then and it said, clunk, clunk. And then went back to her actuary ta- tales, tables. <laughs> right. she's, she's studying to be an actuary. I, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. Just, I mean, I guess there's a reason why this this movie made it for Mother. May I have another of those bad black movies? See, and that's where I disagree with you because I think this movie is too bland to be bad. Uh, no, like it's just sort of there. It's just there, but like we said, it's just sort of there. It, like we said, though, but you've got two likable people in the lead. You've got Bow Wow. You've got for what? Never mind what I think of. There are people that are fans of Steve Harvey. There are people that are fans of Cedric the Entertainer. The whole world's a fan of Vanessa Williams. You wonder. You put them together. You think you can. You can have something that you know comes together. Yet. Because the blandness that is eked out of this film based on the screenplay by Earl Jones, and I believe he had an assist from Todd Jones, and the direction under Christopher Erskine, is, it, it really just does not come together. And it makes for, yes, a bad film. This is not a film that should, it's not a film that if nothing else should be 
boring. It shouldn't be boring as it is. Yeah, it's it's. You know, I never really understood why Steve Harvey and Cedric the Entertainer didn't do more work together. Because I think they do have camaraderie. I think, you, you know, if you watch rant, you know, talk about a forgettable show, like random episodes of the Steve Harvey show. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't always talk about something that's on if, if like you're getting your oil changed. Right, right. And you're like just sort of sitting there and something's like your phone is dead and it's on. Mm-hmm. Like, they, like they, they clearly like each other. Yeah. Like they clearly have chemistry. Like I don't understand. I, I never understood why they didn't do more work together. You know what? I mean, they did a, a fair amount of work together. I would, I would submit, and I have no way of of proving this. This is just my sublimation. Is that like I said? How Cedric the Entertainer is a person who seems very comfortable in his own skin. If you got the two of them together. In that situation, as like say they're it's a it's a buddy comedy, right? Right, right, right. Just because of their 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 individual physicalities, um, and because of the nature of the the comedy that they do, and just because of the nature of comedy itself, Cedric the Entertainer would be called upon to do a lot of more of the physical lifting in any type of comedy that they would be a part of. And I think Steve Harvey would be more and more called upon to be the straight man. And, oh, and, I, and he's not doing that. And he's not going to be the straight man. He's not going to be yeah. this, 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 the straight man who is not afraid to maybe not come off as funny because he knows it will serve as a comedy. And I'm immediately brought to mind Boomerang. Boomerang, Eddie Murphy is definitely the lead in that film. But you can see that there are moments in that film where he is asked to to uh, really subdue his comedy so that David right. Allen Greer t- can, can shine in a scene and so Martin Lawrence can shine. Shine is You're right. He's definitely yeah. asked to play the straight man more often in that film, and I can't see somebody like Steve Harvey doing that. Well, there you go, asked and answered, because I think I think that's a really, really, really good observation. Yeah, I think, I think you're 100 right. I think if you were going to take the team and just looking at like that that kings of comedy lineup, I think a more a better combination would have been had if you had Cedric Entertainer and just from a physical, just the, you know, the look of it physically, maybe him with Bernie Mac, because I think Bernie Mac could play the straight guy to, yeah. to uh, Cedric, especially because their comedy is on, on different levels as well. Uh, Bernie's comedy is certainly not physical so much. And it uh, no, and it just no. breeds off the uh, off the confidence of his persona, you know. Um, th- I think that might have been a more interesting combination. But you're right; it's yeah. a shame. It's a shame because I do think that if Steve Harvey could be the straight man, I mean, I think you know, time is is, is not on their side right now. Um, 
and time is not on their side. And like I said, Cedric the Entertainer has grown as an actor. Anyone who's seen his work on the in the OG, just just name one show. Oh yeah, the last OG. Yeah, the last OG where he's asked to actually be as funny as he is, more subdued in in his in his comedy. He's seen. He has actually grown as an actor. The same can't be said about Steve Harvey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, I think we're finished with this film. Uh, we were actually talking in here last week. The last OG. I don't think it was the season. Oh, it wasn't the season finale. But it there was an amazing episode last week with Cat Williams. Mm, mm-hmm. And and we were we were talking just. It is remarkable how good the last OG has been. Really? For like three years now. Yep. Yep. Like, you know, it's almost a shame that it's come out at the same moment as Atlanta. And insecure. Or or, or insecure. Because it's not as sexy. Yeah. Yeah. As those two shows. But it it really is a remarkably well done show. It is. And it is also a show that is testimony or or testament to what the power of good writing as well as maybe a strong directorial hand can do with someone like Tiffany Haddish. Yeah. Which I've noticed Robert Townsend and Keenan Ivory Wayans have been all over this season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about seasoned directors seasoned writers i think um wayans has written a couple of these episodes like these are seasoned yeah like you said creators yeah and 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 they know how to pull you know good acting from comedic actors you know what i mean right and and right and, i agree and grounded performances from them because let's 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 face it in the last og you have tiffany haddish um uh, Cedric the Entertainer, and then you have the lead, um, who's wow, I can't believe his name is just Tracy, Tracy Morgan. Morgan. Tracy Morgan, three uh, comedy stars who could easily be very over the top, very very easily go off the rails. Yes, but the, but it, like it, very easily. But it's you know when it needs to be, it's well restrained, um, and it's all to the benefit of that show, which has, I would imagine, to a lot of people, surprisingly lasted these three years and has gotten increasingly better with each succeeding season. Yeah. But the Johnson family vacation is not an example (laughs) of good writing in good direction. But I guess we should do this properly. Yes. Lynn? Yes, Vince. Would you recommend... The family, the the Johnson family vacation. No. Vince, would you recommend the Johnson family vacation? Not only would I not recommend it, but this actually seems like a film that we should ask a question we do sometimes. Up until maybe the last 10 minutes of the film, I don't even know if I would call this a black film. Why do you say that? This is a film with black people in it, but like I said, this 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 feels like something from that like Chuck. What is it, Chuck? Uh, Chuck Lorre. Chuck Lorre, yeah, right. Yeah, this seems like something Chuck Lorre could have created, and again, plugged in Kevin James and random forty year old white actress who rolls her eyes at his shenanigans, mm-hmm. and then like three kids, 
and then you just sort of churn it out. You know, it comes on after Big Bang Theory. Right. And like right. you look and it's been on because, you know, them CBS shows stay on. They never go away, dog. Like it's been on like it, it came on after Big Bang Theory and like two and a half men. Mm-hmm. And then it was on for like nine years. Right. Exactly. It's like, how was this on nine years? And I've never seen a whole episode. But, you know, there's nothing really there. There's no there there. It's just very bland. So, no, I would not recommend it. I would not recommend it. I would still say it is it is indeed a black film, though. I mean, Uncle Earl's in it. Uncle Earl. Uncle Earl and there's a cookout. <laughs> and there's a and there's a cookout. So there you go. There you go. So uh that, ladies and gentlemen, is our review of Johnson Family Vacation. Before we reveal Vince's selection for next week's stop on the Michaud Missions May Sojourn through Mother May I Have Another One of Those Bad Black Films, we invite you to become a Michaud missionary. Join our Facebook group, The Michaud Mission. Please join us. Have fun with everyone that has been tuning in, watching us, and sharing all of your comments uh, as we've rocked on talking about how this movie can't do much without a, with a poor screenplay. God knows that is correct. Um, let us know what you think. Join, join the mission um, with all of our fans. We appreciate each and every one of you in the group. Like and follow us on all the social media at Nisho Mission. That's where you can find us. Email us at Mission at gmail.com. And if you're having trouble spelling it, Nisho is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. The Nisho Mission is available as a proud member of the Podglomerate Podcast Network, thepodglomerate.com, curated podcast for your listening pleasure. We are also available as a radio show every Saturday afternoon at 1 p.m. on WPPM, 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media, here in the city. Philly Cam. And sisterly affection. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. Okie dokie. Oh, and if you want to help us, there's two ways that you can help us, ladies and gentlemen. Two. Two ways. You can either, one, go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a a rating and a review because that really helps people find our show. We're 96. We're four away from 100. It would be really great if we can get to 100 because that just looks nice. Um, And also, if you want to help us and help keep our show free, go to the Michelle Mission Dot com. Go to our website and hit swag where we've got a whole lot of cool designed T-shirts and and swag for your uh, shopping pleasure. Uh, check it out. And if you buy something from us, please hit us up in social media. Take a picture of what you of your bought you and your shirt, you with your notebook or stickers or whatever you you've purchased so that we can share it on all of our social medias. We have a new social media director, uh, uh shout out to Toya Haynes, who's joined the team to, uh, what's good our, Toya run our social media for us. So she is looking for all of that stuff so we can shout it out on social media. And we got a whole lot of ideas. She's plugged ideas into our heads so we'll be building up our social media presence which means that we'll be building up vince's vince's social media which way this that guy 
Him, Vince. You see Vince. That guy. We'll be building up his social media presence. Nice. That's that's nice, Lynn. <laughs> we'll be doing that. So stay tuned for that, ladies and gentlemen. Yo, I hear you. I see you on Facebook. All right, Vince. Next week, what will we be watching here on the Michelle Mission? Well, Lynn, while this is a theme month because of the pandemic and because we are living in an Octavia Butler novel. Ironically, we missed last month's theme because we didn't celebrate Octavia city. So we didn't do science fiction, right? I'm going to do a film that I believe combines science fiction as well as mother. May I? Oh, 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 this is, Oh, Oh, this is so cool because my film that I was thinking about going to does the exact same thing. So (laughs) now then, in full disclosure, I'm going to be really stretching the definition of whether or not this is a black film. Okay. (laughs) Fred Williamson moved to Italy (laughs) in the late 70s and early 80s. Yes, he did. And made some movies. One of those films is Innove Barberi, which in English is translated as The New Barbarians. Oh, my God. I'll just read the plot for you very quickly, if you don't mind. If you'll indulge me, if you will. In the year 2019, after a nuclear war, humanity is reduced to a few starving groups. A ruthless gang called the Templars constantly raids settlers in an attempt to exterminate everyone in order to purge the earth. A former Templar scorpion, along with his allies, prevents a small band of religious colonists from being massacred by the Templars. Directed by Enzo Castellari, starring a whole bunch of Italian actors... (laughs) And Fred Williamson, who's on the poster. (laughs) That makes it a black movie. (laughs) Next week, we'll be watching 1982's The New Barbarian. Was that 1982? Oh, my God. See, I'm going to bring it. We're about to do some Mother May I. (laughs) As well as some science fiction. Okay. All right. All right. I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to this. I know one person who's not, but we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> shout out to Scheme. Shout out to Scheme. Which he actually posted something on Facebook about a month ago where he said, I don't even remember the whole post. All I remember is the first sentence. He said, Fred Williamson moved to Italy in the early 80s and made some movies. And I said, Yep. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Have crumb will follow. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. I said, "Oh Lord, let me get off here and look up some stuff." <laughs> and so he's had this in the chamber, Steve. waiting ever since. <laughs> yes, I have. All right, next week, ladies and gentlemen, 1982's "The New Barbarians," featuring 
Fred the Hammer Williamson, as you've never seen him before. <laughs> that is quite the understatement. And we'll be talking about that and many other crazy things next week, live on YouTube.com slash Michaud Mission and in the Facebook group as we bring the Michaud Mission to you next week here, live for your viewing pleasure on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>